All right, thank you. Uh, am I, there I am. Yeah, so, you know, I got to say that this summer, I have really enjoyed being here with you guys. Um, it's really fantastic seeing everything that's happened. And, you know, as I was just watching service this morning and just seeing uh, the baptism and everything else that's going on, and remember guys at the Week of Hope, um, I mean, you're, you're basically preaching a message for me <laughs> today. And, I, you know, today I'm going to preach on the response to the gospel, because I know we've been going, you guys have been going through Philippians all summer, and um, I just thought about that, and as you guys go into a new season, I just thought about what is our response to the gospel. So I want to start with a story um, about when I was in high school, and um, I'll relate it at the end, um, what this has to do with uh, the message, but in high school, um, they had this thing on Texas Street, the cruise, right? <laughs> All right, who, does anybody remember that? All right, and so I, I think I think my generation around that time was probably the generation that ruined it for everybody else when they when they banned it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that yeah, was okay. So anyway, one night, uh, me and my friend Mike um, were cruising, and um, you know the cruise again was Texas Street. You go up and down. You would hang out on the side of the road when you see your friends and everything else. It was a thing to do Friday and Saturdays for hours on end, just going back and forth up Texas Street. And so I remember uh, one day my friend Mike came to me and he said, "Hey Rodney, did you see what was going on?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Oh man, it looks so cool. Like there was a whole group of cars just kind of traveling in a pack." I'm like, "Okay." And for some reason he thought that was really exciting and really cool. So he said, "Let's go start our own little pack, right?" And, you know, me back then, I, you know, I was like, all right, you know, how are we going to do that? But fine, I'll, I'll go ahead and follow and whatever you do. So he goes, and we do the U-turn, and we're starting at the edge of the cruise going down Texas Street. And he pulls up next to me, and he says, all right, slow down a little bit. So I was going about 25, right? And so I went down about 20. And so we're driving, and he tells me, he says, slow down a little bit more. <laughs> so I go about 15 miles per hour, and he says, a little slower, <laughs> And so pretty soon, I'm riding the brake. Like, I'm literally riding the brake down Texas Street. And I can imagine the traffic jam we're causing and creating on Texas Street. And so in my gut, I'm like, I need to, this doesn't feel right. <laughs> I should probably not do this. And so um, before I begin to sped up, so I'm driving down this direction, and I'm looking at the opposite direction because I'm watching out for police now, right, because we're going pretty slow. And Mike's just having a good time, just having fun riding the brake down Texas Street. And so um, I saw an officer. He was sitting in his car, you know, so me and Mike are traveling this way, and we passed him up. And I see the, the cop do one of these. He kind of turned. <laughs> did one of those, double takes. And at that point, I said, Mike, I think we better speed up. And before I could say anything, a motorcycle cop pulls up, pulls us over, uh, yells at us, you know, asks us, you know, what's the speed limit on, on Texas Street? I said, 25. He said, how fast were you going? I said, maybe 20. He said, about five, you know, so he's, he's very upset with us, right? So that night we had to, we had to leave the cruise. We weren't allowed to cruise anymore. And I got a ticket for impeding traffic, <laughs> impeding traffic. So I looked at that word impeding, and it means um, to slow in movement or progress by means of obstacles, obstruction, or to hinder. And so for, for a few years when I was getting insurance, you know, they would ask me, any tickets? And I would say, yeah, one speeding ticket and one for impeding traffic. And I say, because <laughs> they would always ask me every time they say, what? I said, impeding traffic. They would say, you gotta tell me that story. Like, how do you, how do you go too slow? So for a while, I kept telling that, that story. 
Um, anyway, um, in preparing for today, if you want to turn to Acts chapter 2, we're going to get there. But I thought I would just kind of share uh, a little bit more about myself as I kind of weave through what our response is to the gospel message. And we know that the gospel brings us joy, and we know the gospel is good news. But I was thinking about a time in my life where the gospel really meant a lot to me. And so I kind of shared my story with you guys before. Grew up, my parents didn't start going to church uh, until after a divorce. Uh, My mom took me and my brother, got us into church, and we started uh, attending church. My dad soon got saved, and my parents remarried to each other, and my dad uh, went into the ministry. So it took me a little longer to really get this gospel message. I really accepted Christ in my high school years. Uh, I believe I was probably a high school junior, I think, junior or senior, and I finally decided to accept Christ. And then it just took me a while as, as life struggles happened, and I remember Right when my son was born, back in 98, uh, shortly after that, my life began to have some turmoil. Um, I soon lost the job, uh, probably a couple weeks afterwards. Uh, led to um, things like my relationship ended, um, uh, lost my house, lost a car, went into bankruptcy. So a lot of things were happening. And I really began to see that I needed to figure out what God is telling me and to dive in and just remember what my response should be for the gospel message. And so as I looked at Acts chapter 2, I kind of saw that um, this formula that they had that worked for early believers, it's kind of like some same things that I went through when I had this response to the gospel message. And so I went to a church, and I really dove in into a church, just really just going to a really good Bible teaching church. And so I went to Arcade Baptist Church in Carmichael up there in Sacramento. And this is where the teaching was really important for me. As I was beginning to learn from the pastor and the services there, I also decided to uh, really understood that I needed to have my own personal reading and personal Bible study. And so I went, and I remember I was working in real estate at the time. That's when I started real estate. And after floor duty or something or during my lunch, I would go out. And I would just sit there at the local park near my office and would just read the scriptures. So I would read something out of the Old Testament, read something out of the New Testament, and I just kept reading daily. And then eventually I discovered, I wow, I, I went through the entire Bible. And so um, that was really important part, time, uh, part of time for me. And then a little side note, I did the pastor of that church years later after I was in the ministry. Um, a few years ago, I saw him at a conference I just couldn't believe it. I said, oh, there's, there's Pastor Henderson. And so I just made it a point to go up to him and just, just tell him my story a little bit and how much his church meant to me because I think it's important that sometimes pastors and leaders, I mean, it was a big, nice-sized church. And so, um, you know, he wouldn't remember me, um, and I wouldn't expect him to. But it was just important, I think, and he really appreciated that to say that the impact of the teaching of that church years later had an effect on me. And so after the teaching, I really decided, I said, you know what, this, this is great. I'm learning. I'm learning from the church. But I needed something a little bit more close, this fellowship that I needed to have other Christians around me to learn from. And so um, I soon started going to different groups. I went to like a young adult group and kind of stayed with them for a little while and then um, a couple other groups. But I really settled on uh, a men's Bible study home group that met weekly. And that fellowship was very valuable to me. As I can bounce off things that I'm going through with other people and other like believers who could sit there and be encouragement for me, and we can go through the Bible and we can learn together. And that really good fellowship was really important at the time of my life. 
And so even deeper than that is there's something about sharing meals together, right? Something about sharing when you eat together and you have that kind of fellowship together while you're eating. I mean, that's when you kind of have, you know, instead of the, the purposeful Bible study, which is good, now you have, you're talking about life and other things, right? You're really getting to know each other. And so there were some men's breakfasts that I went to. And, but closer than that, there were some friends that I met that I would go and have meals with. We would go out to lunch. There would be church functions, church picnics that we went to. And then also privately, as just a one-on-one, kind of like a mentor thing or just a buddy thing. And that was really, really good and really, really important to me. And then you find out, you begin to pray for each other. As you're doing this fellowship, as you're doing these meals, you're asking for prayer. You're finding out what's going on in each other's lives, and you're saying, I'll pray for you. And you end up praying for each other, and pretty soon you find out that this response to the gospel message has now taken you from where you once were into where God is going to lead you. And so if you look at Acts chapter 2, um, starting with verse 24, here we see that Peter preached a message, right? Peter pe- preached a message to a lot of believers. And then God added to their number 3,000 from this sermon. And here is their response right after that. This is what the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verses 24 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And you can clearly see here how the impact of Peter teaching the good news had on this group, right? And so when you think about that, okay, I think about Peter and where he's been, right? Because, you know, it's, I'm so glad there's a family Sunday here, and I've, I've taught Sunday school before. But, you know, you have that Sunday school where you have uh, the kids that you're teaching, and, and sometimes there's correction that's needed, or, or you know, you know they're, they're kids, right? And you can see Peter's maturity as, remember, he was the one that Jesus is always saying, you know, Peter, think before you speak, you know. Peter's denying Jesus. He's saying these things, right? But you see, as he matured and as he learned from Jesus, now, he's the one teaching. And that's very important. That's very good that you see that maturity that's happening, right? And these teachings that are happening, they're transformational. They're transforming lives. And so it's really good, and I really like to encourage, you know, the, the people who teach and the Sunday school teachers. I mean, what a great job that is, is to teach kids, only to see them later in their life, do something with it, right? And you may not see it for a long time. So you see back there, you see the teachings are transformational, and you see what they're teaching. They were teaching the Old Testament scriptures, as the Bible they had, right? They're teaching the resurrection because it just happened, and you can see the impact it's making, right? And so more than, so than the scriptures, 
and more so than a resurrection, they had their own Christian witness. Now, as I thought about witnesses, you know, we all have a testimony. And that's why I like sharing mine and, and sort of different aspects of my testimony. We all have a testimony. And that is evidence of Christ, right? Just realize that your testimony is evidence that there is a Jesus Christ. And so as I thought about that, you know, you, you think about the witness stand and how people can go on a witness stand. And based on what the witness says and congruent with the facts, you can get an innocent or guilty. And so I was thinking of a funny story. You know, when I was, when I was a kid, um, probably, this was probably first grade, kindergarten or first grade, um, we were out there in the field during recess, and one day, um, you know, the, the dirt would just clog up and have these little, like, dirt clogs, right? And then kids would take them and throw them. You're not supposed to do it, but kids would take them and throw them, right? And so I was out there just kind of following along, and I wasn't really assertive back then, quiet kid. And so I went out there, and I just kind of just started throwing them. But, I mean, the kids were way down, you know, I'm not sure how many feet, just far away, and, you know, my little self couldn't throw down there. But all of a sudden, the yard duty teacher comes out, and she goes to us, and she says, hey, guys, come here. She pulled us all over, and a kid had uh, got hit in the eye with a, with a dirt clog. And so she's asking, okay, who did this? Who threw the dirt clog at this kid? And everybody's looking around, and everybody looks at me. We think Rodney did it. Yeah, Rodney, yeah, Rodney did it. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I have this false witness against me, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, what? And then in my brain, I'm thinking, like, I don't think I did, but maybe I guess one of the ones I threw went far enough to hit him, you know? And uh, so we went to the office, and even though you had this witness against me, it didn't line up with the facts. And so thankfully I didn't get in trouble. Uh, The principal was able to listen to me. Uh, I was happy I didn't get in trouble with my parents. But to think about that witness, right, and that false witness that can happen, the believers, early believers, really believed in Jesus Christ and his resurrection because they lived with him and there was no body. Jesus had rose up to heaven. So the evidence, based on what their witness lined up with each other, and that's why they were so faithful and so strong against opposition of making sure people understood their teaching that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And then they had their fellowship. They had their fellowship together, this close relationship with each other, right? Even outside of the normal church worship. You know, sometimes you go to uh, places and churches and you want to have that really close group other than the big group of coming on Sundays, right? So we get together in homes or we get together for lunch or we get together somewhere else in these, in these relationships. And so uh, the people were doing life together outside of the church walls, even serving meals. You know, we did the Lord's Supper today. And that was a meal. You saw Jesus do meals from, from a whole multitude where we took a, a boy's lunch and fed thousands, right? That was a meal together even down to an intimate meal as Lord's Supper when he tells them that they will be betrayed. And so you have this closeness where everybody now starts to become one in mind, one in spirit. They have that unity because of the response to the gospel. And then from there, they began with their prayers, right? They had, they had formal prayers in church, but they would also pray for each other outside of church. And through this prayer and the Holy Spirit, we saw the many miracles they did. After chapter 2, you'll see the miracles that Peter was able to do. And so from that, you see a more greater response of the gospel 
as they begin to sell their possessions. Now, I remember as a kid first hearing that, it's like, wow, they had to give everything up? They had to sell everything? But when you really examine it, they owned their own things, which means they didn't have to share it, and they were doing this on their own free will. They were selling things because they saw those that had need, and they realized that some of their possessions maybe weren't as important as people thought they were. And it wasn't like they were distributed evenly. They were just given to those who had need, so nobody had anything that they didn't need. And so when I hear about uh, the food bank, um, with the, I'm going to figure out how many pounds of food uh, that, was, that was raised. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And that's why I said you guys are preaching this message for me today, that we can go, come together and we can have that spirit of giving. And that's something that also happens with uh, uh, the response to the gospel message. You know, sometimes, you know, you go to your, your CPA and have your taxes done, and they say, you know, Rodney, you don't have to give that much away, <laughs> right? But it's not, a, it's not about that. It's just about what God is telling you and, and just the feeling of giving to those in need, right? You ever heard a phrase that you can't outgive God? You know, and it's so true. And it's not that we're giving to get something back, but it's giving knowing you're faithful that God will give you what you need. And so through all of this, the early believers could not forget what Christ has done for them. And that's why they were so strong in their faith as in response to the gospel message to spread the word to everybody. And so as I think about my own uh, life, going back full circle, back to remembering the response to the gospel message, after being called into ministry, well, and not everybody has to be called into ministry to do ministry, but because I think we're all called. But as I began thinking about the teaching, once I was the one that was being taught, and I'm still being taught, you still learn every day, but now I'm able also to teach others, from kids to youth to adults. And that's an awesome feeling to do that. Have an opportunity to do that. And so I talked about the Sunday school and the importance of Sunday school. A cool story. Um, I had a volunteer Sunday school teacher who had been teaching probably for about 30 years in different churches, different areas. And so one day he was sharing a story with me. And he said, you know, Rodney, my greatest ministry highlight was a father came in and brought in his eight-year-old kid. And I was able to lead that eight-year-old to Christ. And I said, that's awesome. So after doing some more talking, he told me the name of the child, I realized that when I was a youth pastor, this kid was in my youth group. Now, I didn't know this Sunday school teacher at the time that this kid was in my youth group. And I kept up with this kid. I mean, this kid um, went through my youth group. He went through the Marines. He's already out of the Marines. And so um, this is about a 20-year gap from the time he was led to Christ to this conversation that me and the Sunday school teacher are having. And so I told my Sunday school teacher, I said, Lanny, I know, I know Jeffrey, and I know his dad, Dan, and I'm still in contact with him. So I was able to have that cool connection now where this has been Lanny's ministry highlight for 30 years or so, or 20 years, out of all his ministry experience to lead this kid to Christ, and now there's this reconnection there all these years later to see what each other's doing. And that was really cool to do that. So you never know when you teach, you never know where that person's going to go and what they're going to do and the impact you're going to have on them. And so the fellowship, too. 
I'm able to have fellowship with other people, and now I'm meeting other people. Now I'm able to mentor other people. Now I'm able to, to be the one um, who, who gets to know them and do life together and help them out. Meals the same way. A lot of, lot of appointments, a lot of meals to have with people where we go in, and then from there we go into prayer and being able to pray for others as they pray for me as it came full circle and I see what God did to me because of the response of the gospel message. You know, one night, um, it, was, it, was, it was prom night for the high school students. I was a youth pastor at the time. And I remember late one night, I get a phone call, and uh, it was one of the girls in my youth group, and she's just frantic, right? And she's just doesn't know what's going on. I'm said, calm down, you know, what's going on? There had been an accident, um, her boyfriend was also in my youth group, and they were somewhere, um, from what I understand, kind of like the interchange from Oakland, uh, when Oakland splits in San Francisco on 80, that split, somewhere around there. I think they were coming back, though, because of the time of night. And he was driving a Suburban, and the Suburban flipped on the freeway. And the reason why she was so hysterical is when that happened, um, there was a group of them in the, in the vehicle, one from what I understood, you know, was ejected from the vehicle. Um, of course, they're split up now because out of chaos and the ambulance is coming and they take one and deal with the other one. So um, that night, stayed, prayed with the parents, prayed with the kids uh, over the phone. Um, thankfully, through all the prayers and everything else, everybody was fine. Um, fine being relative, meaning nothing serious, you know, besides some trauma to them um, that happened. And just realizing that I was one of the first people to call, they would call and trust in that was very, very uh, important. And that they felt that they can go to somebody who will pray for them through this turmoil. So prayer is very important in this whole thing. And so going back to impeding traffic, <laughs> going back to uh, having obstacles and things to slow down. The response to the gospel message shouldn't have us impede the spirit. Shouldn't have us have obstacles for our response to go in and make disciples and bring other people to Christ. That's what we're called to do and that's what we want. And it's a natural response to the gospel message because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And you'll get that burning desire that, man, I just want to have some fellowship with somebody and help somebody and pray for somebody. I have this burning desire that I want to collect food for people who need food to eat. I have this burning desire to go out in the community and just just love on people. And that's just the Spirit talking. And nothing can impede the Spirit. Nothing can hinder the Spirit. Nothing can slow it down. You know, God says, I'll make these rocks cry out if nobody else will. So in closing... I just want to talk about uh, the gospel and the joy that the gospel brings you. And then when you look at the times that God has been faithful to you and brought you through the rough times, brought you through the hard times, when you look at the times when you had these rough patches in your life, when you think about the things that matters to God, it's love. God gave everything for you. So in return, I want to give everything to him. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for all the things you have done for me. 
for giving your life on the cross, Lord, because you saw that we were separated from you. And because of that separation, you made a way for us to be reunited with you. God, that gospel message brings me such joy and such happiness. And I can see the path of, of how I was taught, how people fellowshiped with me, God, how people shared meals with me and people prayed for me. And now because of that spirit, Lord, I have this burning desire to teach others, this burning desire to fellowship with other people, Lord, and to share meals together, and this burning desire to pray, Lord. And Lord, from that, we know that those who are in need, those that are hungry, we want to help and we want to give because you gave so much for us. You gave everything. So if that, God, that's my prayer, that if there's somebody out there who doesn't know you, that through me, through a Sunday school teacher, through an adult, through anybody, Lord, that they can get to know you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.